Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. For Natasha Lyonne, humor is an essential part of any detective mystery, and she embraces that fully in her new Peacock series, Poker Face, which was created by Ryan Johnson, who is like extra hot right now thanks to the Glass Onion film series and other projects. Now, Lyonne plays Charlie Kale, who has this gift to decipher when people are lying, which I think is the most terrifying gift to have because like, I don't want lie to me. Tell me I look good. Don't don't tell me the truth. And she does. She uses this gift as she encounters crimes from quirky characters. Now, her gift isn't a superpower or anything. It's just something that she can do, which gets her into particularly unique situations. It's clear Leon's Charlie isn't your typical detective. You know what I mean? She she describes herself closer to the dude in The Big Lebowski, which honestly is a perfect description for her character. And you know what? I am so here for this era of Natasha Leone. I, like so many of you, have been following her career from the very beginning. She started as a child actor and then hit it big with roles that seemed like nobody else could play those parts. They were tailor-made for her. Films like Slums of Beverly Hills or American Pie and my personal favorite, But I'm a Cheerleader, which we talked about. You're going to want to listen to that. Then it was her turn in Netflix's Orange is New Black, which brought about this sort of New era for Natasha Lyonne, leading to her critically acclaimed turn in The Russian Doll, when now Poker Face, which is really exciting. She hasn't just acting anymore, either. She's also writing and directing and producing. She's doing it all. Our conversation went in many directions, which you'd expect from someone like Natasha Lyonne, because she has her own way of speaking, and it's delightful to listen to. It was just amazing to talk with her, and I really think you're going to love this chat. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back with Natasha Leone. And be sure to stick around after my chat with her to find out who I will be speaking with next week. It's a good one. You're going to love it. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. The show is so good. You've forever been one of my favorites. I have to admit that. Oh, oh, thank you. I'm a real a real troublemaker. <laughs> well, that's I, what out here on your TV streets, <laughs> trying to hit you with some proof. You've been inspiring me to be a troublemaker, which I love. Good, good, uh, the, good. The show is like so fun, and it's even though it's so new and fresh, it kind of reminds me of some of those like old shows that I loved so much as well, like the, that were kind of episodic in a way that there was a new story every week. What I know the show was inspired over a dinner conversation, but like, what excited you about the idea of it? Uh, for sure, it's like the appeal of, um, you know, just Ryan and I getting to, I think we just really enjoy each other. And 
this felt like an opportunity, you know, to like creatively get old together if it if it hits, you know, I think we we wanted to work together, but in a sort of almost in a a way that's like playing, you know, the crossword puzzle every day. The crossword comes in every day. You're excited to play it. You play it. A bunch of other things happen that day. And then you get to play another crossword puzzle. Like <laughs> I, I think that we had that sort of approach to it of, hey, this would be nice. And sort of make this and make it a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get to get to really like bring um all our friends along for the ride. Yeah. And he always describes it as kind of a, a hangout show, which yeah. I love because you know he obviously uh no Segan's in it who's in every Ryan movie who I happen to know since he was like 15 and I'm 17. And uh and also um you know for me it was like you know Janixa Bravo who I'm so close with uh uh came and directed the finale and we're hanging out with my dog Rootbeer in the middle of nowhere and uh and you know, Chloe and Clea, who are like my best friends of 25 years, show up. And, you know, Dash uh, Polanco, who I adore so much from Orange is the New Black and Russian Doll, and she's there. And uh, Alice Jew, who's, you know, the brilliant writer on uh, season two of Russian Doll this year. And uh, we were, you know, lucky enough that she also joined us in the writer's room for Poker Face this year. And uh, it was, you know, the episode that... Uh, so we wrote that episode together that I directed. The other episode she wrote, Ryan directed. And, you know, Alice is so special and brilliant. Like her work this year um, on Russian All is extraordinary. And it was just, you know, but she's also, she's like 25 or something. So it was just brought me so much joy now that I'm, you know, aging into, you know, a mom of, uh, you know, brilliant weirdos in the arts accidentally. I, uh, like the joy of, you know, that she, uh, you know, that to see her and Ryan working together just made me so happy and selfishly, like, you know, for me to get to work with her and Ryan and Janixa and that, that kind of a thing is, yeah, it's kind of everything that uh, I'm into, I guess. I really, I, I think that's the part that makes this whole thing, you know, this whole um, job really worth doing is when you can kind of you know, do it with the people that you find inspiring, who you actually want to pass your life with, for lack yeah. of a better term. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's so, it shows, I think it really shows in that, like, it, it's just, it, it just seems like there's this sort of just natural ability for everyone to kind of like, it works with each character and everyone gets along and it's, not everyone gets along necessarily all the time, but like, it's, it's, the show just works in such a wonderful way. And when I said it reminds me of old shows, there's this, even though it is not like this show at all, it is in the sense that like the the framework of how it's structured in like Murder, She Wrote type way, where every single week there was a new story and a new cast of characters and this one central character that everyone loves, you follow, and we followed her for 14 years. So you're going to be hanging out with your friends, I think, for a long time if everyone else has the same reaction I'm having. Um, and it's it's just so exciting. Did you Did that stand out to you, that sort of like the idea that like, there's this one anchor character, but then each week you get to tell something kind of different and new. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's a funny thing um, about growing up in a way, I guess I find that, uh, you know, it's sort of like, in a way, I guess I'm not, I'm not just uh, interested in like solving my own case anymore. It's sort of very fun to be on the case of other people's experiences. You know, I think you, 
is probably like a natural part of like the evolution of like uh, maturing or something that, you know, other nooks and crannies are more interesting in a way. You know, we have this, uh, this writer on um, Rush Doll, her name is Allison Silverman. And she always talks about, you know, how in a way Russian Doll is a noir show and that we love going into these like little pockets and nooks and crannies of, you know, you see that so often in noir films, like that the, the sort of lead detective goes into like a little nook that's fully realized, even just for, you know, like a brief scene, but inside there, there's this weird cast of characters. Um, and then you sort of never see them again. You know, it's just like a little clue along the way. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in, you know, and, and obviously we play that game in, in Russian all, all the time. Here, it's almost as if you go into the nook and cranny, but live there for an entire episode yeah. in a way yeah. that's that's really uh, very fun, you know, and I already have a, you know, beautiful show that I'm so proud of, um, that I also make with all my pals and everything that is really sort of, I guess, on the case of the human condition on, a a much, um, you know, uh, sort of like deeper, almost like, you know, theological or psychedelic sense, you know, that is the nature of, you know, Russian all it's inherently a philosophical, um, expedition that's just miraculous that people are into at all because it's it's uh you know it's a uh pretty deep um uh you know uh, high concept outing and uh you know i'm so grateful that that people go along for that ride and i i think it's uh it, you know it's um i mean it's my favorite thing in the world i, I love i'm so proud of of our show yeah. and yeah. you know here what is so joyous and what seems so fun about also having both you know is um that it's really like it's almost as if like there are two sides to a philip marlowe coin you know what i mean like um because of course you know for for leslie and amy and i and and, and building russian all obviously um elliot gould's portrayal of philip marlowe in altman's long goodbye is such a huge basis you know you see it with nadia and oatmeal at the deli it's literally like a direct rip in so many ways and you know here of course or in any real detective series i mean the truth is is part of what i enjoy so much about you know both those shows is essentially i i am getting the opportunity almost i mean it's it's not by coincidence of course i have you know uh the very you know primary hand in in building yeah. them out but you know that they are they're sort of they're, you know, um, I'm basically just being boy Philip Marlowe's. You just mm. part of what feels so radical is that we haven't, you know, seen a woman do it. Like we've seen Dennis Franz be Sipowitz and we've seen Peter Falk be Columbo. And I just, you know, sort of accidentally have fallen into being like, well, let's not change anything. And I'll just also be Sipowitz and, you know, Philip Marlowe too. And uh, anyway, just back to this idea of, a, you know, a two-sided Philip Marlowe, like in Russian all, I guess I experienced it's almost like as if he was on the case of his own psyche. And with that same Philip Marlowe attitude here, it's really, you know, he's on the case of the nook and cranny crime. Mm -hmm. And that takes over the entire world for, you know, episode to episode for an entire season. So it's, it's very fun. And of course, you know, like um, more formally or literally from, you know, an acting standpoint or, you know, creating character standpoint, what's, what's so fun is, you know, you, you, you have a baseline, which I think 
of course, you know, in a in a movie or something, it's it's really fun. Like I would love to do, you know, period pieces or something, or yeah. you know, um, you know, play Amadeus uh, or F. Murray Abraham's part in Amadeus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or or Elizabeth Barrage's part. Like mm-hmm. I for sure, there's so many other things I'd love to do. I'd love to do Gary Oldman's part in Dracula. Uh, but it's when you're talking about sort of for me, I I think I do love that sense of you know television where somebody feels like it's a very light yeah it's a very light touch you know what i mean like that's a little bit closer to you know like de niro midnight run or something like that it's just not it endears us to you i think yeah the viewer yeah like somehow that it's a little bit you know hey come come hang out again you know and so i i i i really and but yet they have very uh I always think of like Nadia as somebody who's, you know, very like Lou Reed, sort of cloaked in black, chain smoking mm-hmm. her way around the corners of New York City, sort of keeping her eyes on the pavement. Yeah. Charlie is much closer to, you know, Ryan and I would talk so much about this, but she's much closer to um, you know, Jeff Bridges, Big Lebowski. She's the mm-hmm. dude. Like yeah. she's really got this kind of attitude of how did this crime fall into my uh, apartment? I'm just sort of hanging out here and I'm sorry. I don't know. What's your carpet, you know? And similarly, she's also much more sort of like, you know, she's like hit with, like she's got sun in her eyes, not smog. And she sort of has an attitude of like a, an open attitude towards like, ah, what's this now? Uh Oh, looks like I'm going back in. And so they're very, different people for me to play just on a formal uh, you know acting level in a really fun way that it's it's you know it's almost like acting is a game and you know um sort of like creating boundaries that you can push up against and both of them have very kind of almost like strict perimeters that i think i always see my job as making those seem like they're invisible and seamless as much as possible like you know i because I think I just love those actors from the seventies of like, Oh, I think that's them. I bet yeah. you Jack Nicholson is exactly like that guy in five easy pieces. No, I bet he's exactly like that guy from one floor of the cuckoo's nest. You know, like I love that sort of like a soft, a soft touch performance where you can't quite tell, but yeah, you know, you're working very extensively, um, you know, either with like, a coach or, you know, Ryan and I are working very extensively or, you know, um, you, you know, um, you know, Leslie and I are working very extensively or Alex Bono this year on season two, or, you know, we're like very much dialing in exact parameters and then playing it as if, you know, it's almost like you draw those lines and then you erase them, you know, with like the, the pencil eraser. So they all become sort of blurry and invisible or something. Yeah, I totally see that. And what I the other thing that I love about your character in this show is that it she has this ability that as I was watching, I was kind of like, I would hate to have that ability to to know that to be able to tell if people are lying to you, which to me, every time someone says I look good, I would know they're lying and it would just it would kill me like emotionally. How where did the like playing that playing that idea of being able to tell someone that when they're lying is such a cute, such a fun idea for a mystery show. Would you hate to have that ability in real life? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate to have it. I do think that, you know, Ryan has that great line of, um, uh, you know, people lying is like birds chirping. You know, it's everywhere. 
The trick is to figure out why someone is lying. And I think that that's really what I love so much about Charlie is, you know, while she does have this sort of undeniable gift in a way, uh, she's definitely not a superhero or a magician. She, on a very human level, then has to go after a case and crack it like a puzzle. Um, And she just sort of has this kind of brain where she kind of can't help herself because it's like a lust for integrity that I greatly identify with. Like something, you know, something is off here and, uh, you know, she just has no, um, capacity for injustice and in a way, you know, isn't sort of like self-protective enough to, to, to care. She's a little bit like, well, Hey, I'm the dude and looks like there was an injustice. So I better go off and uh, crack this case. I sort of like almost gets tangled up in the, the clues without realizing that she's in too deep. Um, and I definitely, you know, identify with that, you know, desire to, you know, like John Lennon says, of just give me some truth. It's just, it's so weird that we exist in a, a world where, you know, um, like white lies are the, uh, you know, barometer of wellness as yeah. a culture, I think is, um, you know, such a, it's like a, a social sickness, you know, to, to, to think that that's esteemable, you know, to, uh, and I think, you, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's my area of interest and, and that's why, you know, really like at the, the, the beating heart of Russian all is that, you know, this idea that if we can, you know, just be more, you know, honest with each other, we'd have an easier go of it, um, as a, as a people. Um, I just, I'm always miffed by it, you know, that uh, people seem to forget so easily how briefly we're here and, you know, sort of want to shellac their lives and things to make other people think they're doing well, as opposed to just telling the truth. Um, I think it's a real bummer. Um, so I, I love that she's got that quality. And I would say, you know, as someone who's um, probably spent more time than, uh, you know, most uh, writing, directing, acting types on your TV screen, yeah. uh, sort of like out there in the world, really getting my hands dirty. For sure, I really identify with that kind of human instinct of being able to deduce pretty quickly when mm-hmm. somebody is, you know, a sort of safe or unsafe character, regardless of you know, sort of like their status or style, you know, like yeah. it's, it's definitely not like, oh, this person's got a, you know, crazy haircut and tattoos. They're not to be <laughs> trusted. It's it's usually quite the opposite. Like, you know, you'll know them by their Stepford wife likeness. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. you know, for sure. I, I love that about Charlie so much. That's wonderful. I, I do. I do have to ask you, I have only have two more questions for you. One of the things that I think is so wonderful about the show is that it it relies a lot on sort of like that soft humor in a lot of ways. Why do you think humor is so important to a mystery? You know, I, for sure. Like, I I mean, Ryan is just such a funny person and he's such a brilliant writer. He's such a brilliant filmmaker. And uh, it's just, it's really like the joy of the thing. I mean, is there anything more torturous than watching something self-serious? Like (laughs) it just, it's, it's brutal. Uh, You know, I mean, you know, like jokes are the great joy of life, uh, that, and that we can't actually read each other's minds. Uh, so we have private thoughts. Um, but I just think, 
in a way, you know, of course, also, you know, jokes are the great diffuser or that thing that allows us to know that there's, um, you know, a character has a greater perspective on a situation and that they're seeing something in a in a bird's eye view. You know, to me, I always see humor as a sign of, you know, um, a greater like bird's eye intelligence where you can sort of separate yourself out from the circumstance such that you can see the greater world at large and kind of comment on it by quickly, you know, connecting the dots of all the different players, um, you know, points of view in order to really make sense of why a situation is as deeply absurd as it is. You've got to be able to sort of, you know, quickly put yourself in other people's shoes Mm -hmm. to sort of figure out what their motives are, their logic to then put it on top of a situation and then, uh, you know, sort of be able to comment on it off the cuff. And that, you know, happens very quickly and is one of the, um, you know, fun, you know, it's one of the greatest aspects of, you know, being people is that we yeah. can do that and then put the sort of, you know, twist a phrase on top of it to mm-hmm. boot. Um, so that, you know, I, I uh, it really does come up, I think, in life, it's a very human instinct, you know, to be totally up against the wall. And in that moment, you know, say just the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the, it's a sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, literalization in a way of, uh, funeral giggles for lack yeah. of a better term, you yeah. know? So in a detective show, it's, you know, very, it's almost a way of saying that, uh, despite the impossible circumstances, know that your rock in this series still has their wits about them and it's another way of you know almost suspending disbelief that they'll be able to get out of the twisted bind they find themselves in because if you're still sort of you know like got your wits about you enough that you can twist a phrase you can probably figure out a way to get out of those handcuffs or at least you've got a shot totally well i only have one last question for you because i know you're short in time but i have to i couldn't miss this opportunity to ask you about but i'm a cheerleader the amount of times as like a queer adolescent that 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 film was viewed probably hundreds of times do you recognize the impact that like that film and your performance in that film has had on like basically the entire millennial and gen z generation of queer people (laughs) you know i obviously uh you know so clea duvall is you know still like my my best friend of 25 years and it's been uh, so extraordinary to watch her, you know, obviously, you know, become such an, yeah. uh, um, you know, an, an impressive adult, you know, I mean, she's a writer, director, showrunner, um, uh, you know, creator of like multiple sh- TV shows. And it, we really uh, ended up almost, you know, Clea and I are, are family at this point. We really, um, you know, in the sense also that, uh, you know, we are, we're both, uh, you know, we we grew up in, into orphans. Uh, so, um, you know, when we first met, that wasn't the case. But as life has progressed, you know, we so we really are like, you know, there for each other um, in terms of, uh, you know, as we, you know, are writing drafts or making cuts and sending them to each other, or like fighting with the studio. And, you know, we we're just we're, we're so, so close. And uh of course, I'm, you know, so moved that she's, uh, 
you know, in Poker Face and, and Chloe, of course, you know, too, who I'm, uh, is, you know, that's my East Coast and West Coast, uh, you know, sisters. Um, and for, for Clea and I, I remember, um, like, you know, back in the 90s. So first of all, you know, But I'm a Cheerleader was a script that I just, I found on the floor of, um, you know, Clea's passenger seat in her car in the 90s. So we were just like driving around. And I was like, what's this? And she was driving, chain smoking. It's like, you know, 1997. And, uh, and I, um, I just started reading from it while she was driving. And I, you know, I said, I can do this. What's the problem? I'm not blonde enough or normal enough or something. And I was in, and, um, she was like, all right, well, I, I'll just call the director, Jamie Babbitt. She's a friend of mine and try to convince her. And I was like, all right, don't, don't make it a whole thing, you know, just because I have all these, <laughs> I used to wear like these, uh, like giant black monster boot platforms yeah. that were like, and like a black overcoat. I was very into David Thewlis and naked and still am. And, uh, you know, so I was like, you know, and I had my hair really huge and was always very knotted. And so I had, we had to like, we went to Jamie's house and started reading from it to try to convince her that I could play a cheerleader, you know, <laughs> and we should do this movie together. And, um, you know, just to say, I don't know why or whatever. I, I do know why, because I'm still always shocked that, you know, um, that uh, like there I, for somebody, it literally never even occurred to me or like came up that it was, you know, gay in a way. It was more just like, why wouldn't I, you know, like, of course I'm in love with Clea. Of course I'm going to play her. Um, this is my part, you know, and yeah. we have to make this movie together because we're a duo now. And, um, and that the subject was so insane. I mean, like, so the fact that, you know, this was, a you know, based on a real thing mm -hmm. was, you know, as surreal as it gets. Like, so it was, um, and, and harrowing. Um, and I remember that when Clea and I went to Sundance with it because it was in Utah, that was the first time that I think we together started experiencing what was ultimately going to be the ongoing, you know, legacy of Better Mature Leader that you're talking about because, you know, these young girls would run up to us and obviously other than Sundance, I think, you know, Utah is well known for having a pretty, you know, regimented yeah. point of view and they would run up and say, you know, we'd never seen anything like this before and they'd be crying and, you know, Clea and I are such, you know, we would just be like hugging them and hanging out and like smoking cigarettes with them and being like, oh, that's so great. It's OK. Yeah. You know, good luck with your life. We love yeah. you. And, <laughs> uh, like, and little did we know that we'd be continuing to have that conversation yeah. sort of, you know, 20 years later. So I think we're just all so proud of it, basically. And um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, continues to be so crazy that anybody in this life would think that, you know, for some reason their their humanity gets to have, uh, you know, some higher ranking on anybody else's humanity or gets to tell other people about their lifestyle or how they should or shouldn't live or rules of what they're like. Nothing is as insane to me as the concept of, you know, gay marriage has been approved. I'm like, by who? go fuck yourself. Like who, what do you, who the fuck do you think you are that you get to approve? Yeah. 
who made you the approver? It's such an insane, twisted, dark, surreal, and devastating concept. I, it's like my, you know, my brain can't continues to not be able to process it, that there are certain things that are seen as wins that I'm like, who determined you the giver of the winning? This isn't a medal. Like you don't get to tell anybody anything. Mm -hmm. You're just another bozo on the bus, pal. So like get back in your seat, get to the back of the classroom. (laughs) You just lost your, you just lost your ability to get to have an opinion by virtue of the fact that you think you get to have an opinion about how somebody else gets to live or not live their life. Like it's, it's such a broken, um, you know, concept Mm -hmm. that, there's so and I always I, you know, I and it, that that obviously extends into so many directions of I, I'm that I'll it's never not um, so weird to me that we've somehow allowed people to get to have opinions. It's like the fact that you want to have that opinion means that you're inherently a broken person who doesn't deserve to have one. So yeah. that's how I know you have a mental distortion and you need to keep your mouth shut and like go down. Yeah. So. It's, you know, and I'm sorry to be so, um, you know, um, um, didactic about it, but it really, I, I find it pretty upsetting that, yeah. you know, what shouldn't have been a radical act 25 years ago continues to be one Yeah, is very, uh, you know, it breaks my heart a bit. Like I'm, I'm so moved of course that, you know, in so many ways there's been so much progress and, uh, you know, that like, like, I love these, you know, young kids and they're just, you know, so hip, like they're just post, post, post everything. And it's yeah. the best. And I love it. And, yeah. um, but at the same time, it just the idea, you know, I know as an outsider, like the, the sort of, you know, devastating impact in a way of self-harm that that caused in my teenage life. And, uh, to think that, you know, there's any kids walking around feeling that way about themselves because of, you know, some really lame, like mainstream idea, just, it breaks my heart and it still does. But, you know, I'm delighted that they've got the movie because we've all got it together and we'll have it forever. So that makes me really happy. It makes us happy too. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. See you later. Honestly, I could listen to Natasha Leone talk all day. Like, I want her to be my phone Siri. I want her to be directing my Google Maps directions. I mean, how funny would it be to hear her going, turn left if you want to. I mean, it's your life. You can do what you want, but maybe turn left. I would... Oh my God, I would die. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. I actually would probably die because it would probably be very bad for directions. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review and share it on social media. And for more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at Newsweek.com, be sure to subscribe to Newsweek's For the Culture newsletter. This week, yes, I will be breaking down all of the Oscars that are out now, the nominations, which is very exciting. So definitely subscribe to that newsletter. On the next episode, I'll be chatting with Jonathan Gruff. Love him. We talked about his first foray into the horror genre in M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, which, frankly, I I, I couldn't see it. It's It's such a secret that they wouldn't even let me see it before talking with him. But 
We had a great conversation about it, and I'm so excited for this movie. I also begged him to bring back Mindhunter on Netflix. That was a personal request, but we had to talk about that. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. Thank you.